0: Hi, I'm Francis Katzen, and welcome to my podcast, The World of Real Estate. In this series, we will explore the world's largest asset class and how it plays out on a global scale. I am so incredibly excited to have you joining me today, sir. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Jonathan Miller, the one and only, the CEO and president of Miller Samuels. He's also the professor of market analysis at Columbia University, Um, and he's also part of the Mayor's Economic Advisory Panel. He has been the CEO and president of Miller Samuels for the past 33 years, but you don't look like a day over 21.
1: Well, I started when I was five.
0: (laughs) I am so happy to have you here. How are you?
1: I'm so uh, pleased to be here. This is great.
0: It was a bit of a feat getting here today, wasn't it? It
1: was a journey. Uh, (laughs)
0: Life is a journey, Jonathan.
1: You know, I'm going to (laughs) write... Hold on. I need to write that down.
0: (laughs) So, who is Jonathan Miller? Dun, 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 dun. And how did you end up with your own company here in New York?
1: So... I'm, uh, at heart, I'm a dull and boring numbers guy who watches C-SPAN for entertainment. But uh, but I'm brimming with sarcasm. Uh, um, I uh, my wife is my business partner. Uh, co-founded the company with my parents and my sister. Uh, they have some you know since retired or you know gone on uh, to uh, out of New York, essentially. Um, I married my wife is m- my business partner, and we have four kid. So.
0: Wow. Um, was it hard doing a family business? It can sometimes get a little tricky, especially with a wife.
1: Yes. Uh, it, absolutely. <laughs> it's challenging. But we were just separated enough in our duties to not kill each other. And I'd have to say as a general observation... Um, we really didn't have too many issues. Um, And I think it's just because we all were entrepreneurial like and driven to, you know, move forward. So Mm -hmm. if we did have fights, you know, in theory, they were resolved pretty quickly.
0: I'm impressed. (laughs) Have you always been in New York City? If not, how long have you been here? And what brought you here?
1: So I'm I'm sort of confused whether I can really declare myself a New Yorker. I've been here since 1985. I'm kind of a mutt. I was born in Boston, had a Boston accent till I was seven. Moved to <laughs> the Washington D.C. area initially, Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. My dad was a wow. developer, and uh, in a little sleepy resort town, and then we ended up. Sort of Rehoboth Beach is the Hamptons of Washington, D.C. I grew up in Bethesda, Maryland, went off to school in the Midwest to be in the hotel business, ended up getting my first job for a company that was acquired by Marriott in Chicago, inner city, uh, where I ran a department in a small rehab hospital in the south side of Chicago. The way I ended up in New York was, because I'm not a native New Yorker, is simply uh, my wife, uh, we met in school, um, Michigan State. I was in the hotel. Yeah! And uh, her brother w- married a woman from Long Island, uh, you know, that went to, went to school in Michigan. We, went, we stayed in Manhattan, went to a wedding in Long Island, and we said, okay, we're moving here. We both of us went home, and within a month or so, we quit our jobs, sold our cars, <laughs> and moved. My parents were living at the time. My dad was in, involved in some um, entrepreneurial thing. That's a whole nother story. And slept on their one-bedroom apartment floor for about six months until we, you know, got. Uh, jobs. Those are good
0: parents. Yeah, right they, were,
1: they, 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 they were. Yeah, they've great. I mean, I talked to them. They they're retired. They live in Florida, but I talked to them multiple times a week. Very close. Um, wow, and uh, and you know, just sort of started Miller Samuel in nineteen eighty six, and that and it kind of worked.
0: Were there, was there a lot of competition for that at the time? Were there other appraisal? Plans?
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh, really, when we started the company, there was no licensing. <laughs> So it was sort of the Wild West. Got it. Um, and
0: uh, what does a real estate appraiser do, and what is their importance to a deal? Dun, 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 dun.
1: Okay, so there's a lot of misconceptions. I'm sort of um, actually, as a sidebar, I'm involved with the regulatory authorities in Washington. Um, been pretty active in the la- since the financial crisis uh, in terms of the appraiser's role is, so within the real estate community, we're seen as an impedance, you know, as a, as a- Debbie diffic- Downer? Yes. Let's yeah. just cut to the yeah. chase. <laughs> right, right. You
0: basically muck it up for us. Exactly.
1: No, and sometimes, sometimes um, it's, it's correct. And sometimes the person that's doing the mucking up has no business being in the, the valuation profession. I
0: know. We've had that wonderful experience. And actually,
1: since the financial crisis, and this could be a five-hour podcast, which we don't want to bore your listeners, is that you literally... have a far a significant decline in competence in the industry since the financial crisis and it's all because of regulatory changes but Interesting. Uh, and and part of the mm-hmm. reason is and I, I won't I, I don't want to go too much into it but just sort of the idea is that since the financial crisis there's now an institutional middleman called an appraisal management company and so let's say your borrower or, you know, the, the buyer for your apartment you, you're in contract for goes to a bank. And then the bank has a contract with this giant middle institutional middleman. And let's just say the appraisal fee, you know, is five hundred dollars. Well, the appraiser doesn't get five hundred dollars since the financial crisis. They get two hundred. Uh-huh. And so and it's
0: hard to find someone. That's
1: and crazy. so mm. the, the so and then. You know, there's sort of this whole thing where, well, now there's a shortage of appraisers. Well, there's not there's a shortage of appraisers, appraisers willing to work for thirty to fifty cents on the dollar, and we don't we've never really had anybody to sort of speak for us. That's why I've been much more involved in the last few years. Uh, our trade groups are sort of complacent, um, not all, but some are. And we don't really have a voice because we're like, you know, a very small, small mm-hmm. you know, and, and no one makes a ton of money and, um, you know, relative to, uh, you know, like NAR, real estate, uh, the National Association of Realtors, even though the individual agents don't, the organization's gigantic. We just don't have the the mass for lobbying uh, for changes. So we're always the afterthought. That's horrible. And so you asked like what, what our role is. So our role is... Has nothing to do in in the f- most people's interaction with the appraiser is for mortgage purposes, right? Um, even though that's a small part of our business, and I'll I'll get into what else uh, what uh, else appraisers do, but the the bank is hiring us, the appraiser, mm-hmm. to value the collateral that they're lending to your buyer. Mm-hmm. It's not for your buyer, even though your buyer is paying the appraisal fee. It's who engages, like our client is who engages us, not who pays our fee.
0: Understood. It's
1: a broadly misunderstood concept. That is
0: a big distinction, isn't it? It's
1: big because we don't care, in theory, uh, <laughs> we don't care what your issues with are with. We're supposed to provide a neutral benchmark. During the housing bubble a decade or more ago, um, we were, our role was pivoted. Uh, because most of the two-thirds of mortgage lending went through mortgage brokers. And mortgage brokers only got paid if the loan closed. So guess who, what kind of appraisers they picked, the ones that always made the deal happen and uh, were That's morally so morally flexible. Almost all those people <laughs> are gone. Are gone,
0: of course. They
1: lost their license or they're just obliterated. And... Um, And we decided, you know, right around the the housing bubble, I remember the moment I realized that my career was going to be over unless I started speaking out was about 2005, when um, you could see uh, that we were deal enablers as a profession. We weren't independent arbiters of value. We were literally the deal enabler. And um, that's a
0: very good way of saying it. And
1: that's really what we were. Mm-hmm. And so we're not supposed to be anybody's friend. We're but supposed we're... to
0: be an impartial person assessing value.
1: That's correct. Now, we can, there's a whole nother discussion of whether this person is competent or not, but that's our role in the process. And that is role was lost we became i i i thought of us i was going to rebrand my company as like the donna karan acronym <laughs> d k n y like deal killer new york like cuz that's how we were being portrayed <laughs> and it was so unfair so so uh, uh i remember in 2005 i started thinking well let me do a podcast let me do a blog let me just do something and i ended up doing a blog and within short order i started getting calls from um like CNBC did an interview, you know, just out of the blue from this podcast or or this uh, um, blog blog that I wrote. And I remember they said uh, in 2005, they interviewed me and it was like real estate's dirty little secret. Right. And it was about and I was and I was saying 75 percent of the appraisals being done aren't worth the paper they're written on. And, you know, because back then we used paper and. and I remember all my peers, especially all the ones that are gone now, were saying, Miller, sour grapes, you don't get it, you're just jealous. And I just remember thinking, uh, I can't sell my soul, because you do it once, that's it. Yeah, I know. And, um, and then in 2008, three years later... CNBC replayed the interview and they said, here's somebody that told us three years ago this was going to happen. That's fantastic. And all of a sudden, I'm a genius. That
0: must have felt great. It
1: was great. It was vindication, but it was three years of hell yeah, going man. through it because yeah, I have a family, four kids, a mortgage, and I'm doing the right thing.
0: And you're getting killed for and it. And
1: getting killed for it because I didn't play the game. And so I, I prefer everything I do, I look at it from the longer perspective.
0: That took a lot of courage
1: it it was either courage or i'm just an idiot you know uh-huh. like, like you know yeah, uh, yeah. because because it was amazing how people around me in my world all changed because they became desperate they have a mortgage they have kids yes, I know. and they weren't allowed to be neutral and it was a structural flaw it was a you know
0: i remember that i remember i would have someone coming in and they'd say just be there with him Yes. I was like, what is it that you want me to affect exactly? Right. Hand him a, an extra bit of, bit of comps to right. help him reassess. But conversely, it can also go the other way around, right? Yes. We've had issues with really, you know, well-priced, In good order, and then have someone come in and not know what they're assessing, and then get the call going. I've called you. Yeah. I've said, listen, we have to solve this. How do we solve this? Right.
1: And what what is my usual response is you're screwed.
0: (laughs) Yes. Uh, Because you know I'm (laughs) very helpful. I'm very
1: helpful that way. That's why
0: (laughs) you're honest. That's why I love you.
1: But um, but the problem is the problem with the the scenario is that. Everybody, is the appraisers out there, basically the regulatory oversight that's provided to these institutional middleman's appraisal management, which account for about 90%, 80 to 90% of mortgages that have an appraisal uh, go through an AMC, appraisal management company. Wow. And the requirement really that they, they say otherwise really is, do you have a state license? So okay, so I'm licensed in New York State, but I've never appraised in Albany before. Right, right. Doesn't make me qualified. Exactly. Or I've appraised in Westchester my whole life, and and this is a Bronx property or Manhattan property. Like, so what do you do? So uh, the first thing you do is that when you, as a broker, when a broker gets a call from an appraiser and it's like an out of area number. <laughs> um you need to go back through the mortgage channel that your borrower did or or if it's on you know or you're on the other side go to the other and just make noise that we want somebody that's locally based. Um you know the whole thing is do you have local market knowledge or not? And and in theory, you know, if you have somebody that doesn't have local market knowledge, why on earth would you want them involved in your transaction, right? Mm-hmm. I have uh, I have sort of a peer network around the country. I'm I'm asked all the time, like, do you know somebody in LA? Do you know somebody? <laughs> and I do. Like I know this. Ne- I know people. You know what? And and it's so. My best mu- friend's
0: sister's mother's cousin can help you.
1: Twice removed. That's right. Um, yes, exactly. No, no, but it's <laughs> like. You know, I've gone to conferences with them. I've uh, spoken,
0: you know. You feel that they have a good sense of what they're doing. Or,
1: the you know, you, you call them and ask them questions. Like I was president of this small appraisal organization. We always meet in Dallas every year. And I have this network of like, you know, um, 80, uh, real, like sort of like the equivalent of Miller Samuel and their local markets, in my opinion. So I can call them and ask them like, how would you s- resolve this problem, this valuation problem? Um Instead of just winging it. Got right? it. It's uh yeah,
0: it's a, uh, it's a, pro- it's an ongoing one, that one. It is. What are the most important considerations in the valuation of real property?
1: So uh, I used to say <laughs> that, uh, you know, I'd love quoting the trite, you know, location, location, location. Oh, God. Right, right. Uh, and now... I, that word is uncertainty which is a whole nother topic. <laughs> um but in but in terms of um the way I the way I think it, when I, the way I think of a the valuation um evaluation sort of um uh, solving a valuation we praise we call it problems like it's a valuation problem the assignment is show us that this How value is this is reasonable mm-hmm. right? and um and so sometimes there's like things like tools out there like the Zestimate. i know i'm getting off topic a little bit but no, when, what's when a you, Zestimate? well i am sure you've never heard of it before nope. um
0: is it a dirty word
1: it is let's just say it's a four letter word except for it depends <laughs> how you spell extra. it a couple of extra letters <laughs> but the thing about the zestiment is that um and, and I remember back before uh, co-ops or public record in uh, 2006, my company, we had amassed more co-op data than anybody in exist, uh, that was in the market that I'm pretty comfortable saying that. And they approached us That's to sort hard of hard to do. They approached us to partner with them, like one of the founders came, and, and I never trusted that, what the analytics were, and they needed us because uh, mm-hmm. many of the big banks, the CEOs, Were, you know, in Manhattan or whatever, you know, so it was like
0: their values were held. Right. Exactly.
1: (laughs) And, um, and
0: I'll help you if you help me.
1: Right. I'll scratch your back. back. Yep. And, and so, but what I, um, what I found was that, um, they're not, um, a lot of the sort of the craft or skill of projecting your competence is part of its presentation. So for example, when you run an address on a estimate anywhere in the country, um, let's just say the result was um, 567,432. all right? To me, that conveys a level of precision or accuracy that does not exist right? It should be 500,000 or whatever. It It should be, or a range, yeah. you know, 475 to 525, whatever. Mm -hmm. But it should not be, and and I told one of the founders this um, explicitly and they say, well, you know, know, we like that because they want it sticky. They want to infer that it's accurate, but still be able to say, uh, sort of defend it uh, mm-hmm. and let, oh, it's not intended to replace appraisers, right?
0: <laughs> but yet uh, it basically is trying to.
1: <laughs> yeah, because they've mastered the uh, marketing. It's a marketing uh, effort to, you know, they've they've bought the consumer, mm-hmm. essentially. They mm-hmm. You know, like you can just look it up and it's right. I mean, I hear mm-hmm. people on the commuter train saying, yeah, you know, my house went up 0.5% last week. <laughs> and you're like, no, it didn't. It didn't. <laughs> Um, which I find <laughs> amazing, um, but there's such a tr- wow. sort of a trust that's conveyed that I know it's made real estate agents' life a living hell mm-hmm. because it infers an ac- it conveys an accuracy, and all, And just one sort of uh, rant, random uh, sort of thought about that. Keep going. A friend of mine uh, who's an appraiser in Sacramento, uh, Ryan Lundquist, who's a fantastic appraiser out there. And he um, he's been he found that the zestimate changes in value when you put it on the market, um, and we can see that with some of these uh, houses like Chip and Joanna Gaines, you know they get a lot of attention. That let's just say I'm making the numbers up, but let's just say you know uh, this address is worth 250,000 in this neighborhood and it's been flat as a pancake for 3 years like you can see the line and then they put it on the market for 950 oh cuz it's Chip and Joanna and suddenly the Zestimate goes to 947 <laughs> and um, not
0: taking into consideration the blends of what's really not been happening around it right.
1: so it's an off it's just a random, it, and so so what I think they've changed, and I could be wrong, but I think they've changed the algorithms to give an outsized weight to the asking price, which is insane because we know after coming out of this recent boom is that um, sellers, especially at the high end, were infected with a case of sort of aspirational pricing, which Being is my- Being
0: with their own real estate to the point of no return.
1: I it's, think that's it's six
0: a, million, but it's I, I want twelve, but it's really worth six.
1: Yes, and and not only you know, and I want it quickly, like now, now I want it now Yesterday. And I I uh, have sort of a statement for that, which is uh, <laughs> drum roll, bing. The market doesn't care what you think. The market
0: is speaking.
1: Yes, the market <laughs> does not care what you think, and uh, no matter. You know, so whatever.
0: <laughs> well put. How is being a real estate appraiser in New York City different than other from other cities?
1: Well, I think if I if I was in a live somewhere else, mm. I probably wouldn't be an appraiser. <laughs> um, because what makes it so cool here is that it's hard. And because wow. it's hard. Everyone
0: did you hear that?
1: It's hard and that's what sort of makes it.
0: You like the difficulty and the complexity of it. Yeah, I mean, it moves so much this market.
1: Well, because it changes block to block, like Mm -hmm. it's intellectually Mm -hmm. stimulating. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. I, 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 as opposed to appraising track housing in Phoenix, nothing about that. (laughs) But that's just not my thing. And those people are more vulnerable to automation, you know, automated valuation, sort of what the Zestimate represents. Um, Keep
0: that Zestimeter away.
1: Totally. Damn it. Totally. Burn it. And and it's, you know, that's at the mercy of public record. And what's fascinating um, with all the market research that I do for Douglas Elliman, for the Elliman Report Series I've been doing for 25 years, is that sort of as a general rule, as you New York City has the worst public data in the country by a multitude of about 20. Oh, my God. And then if you go east to west, and this is very general – um, is that public record and multiple list, the quality of data that's being conveyed to the public improves. And so if you're looking at California versus New York, there's no comparison. Uh, I cover L.A. Serious? It's it's dramatically Why? different. Um, you know, my theory is, you know, that they're new. They're newer. You know, they're more tech technology advanced, the New- Northeast is more staid or...
0: So banks will typically only lend 80% of the value, right, yeah. for a home. Yeah. If the home appraises for less, what a buyer pays for it? What options does he or she have to stay in the deal?
1: Well, um, first of all, right now, um, let's see, my son bought... once. I have four boys. One of my sons bought a house... A year and a half ago by the way congratulations thank you holy moly and um, they're all handsome and smart you know
0: did you hear that viewers
1: so um, and three are married and one has a significant (laughs) other
0: oh bummer
1: so um, but anyway uh, one put ten percent down Mm -hmm. and then I have a son right now buying a house and you know they accept an offer probably five percent down Wow! so that stuff still exists uh, you know the, the the it not the whole world is not twenty percent down. I'm not saying that's good, but um, you know we're seeing a little bit of drifting into sort of the bubble aspect. I'm not saying we're in a housing bubble either, because credit yeah, is still f- not at all. I don't think we are um, because I we don't have we don't have credit. You know
0: the credit uh, issue is not so well, much the it, issue. It's the it's the value issue, right? Well. Sort of.
1: And so what I mean by that is during the, the housing bubble, you just had to have a pulse or maybe fog a mirror to get a mortgage. <laughs> and, um, and even then, sometimes you didn't <laughs> need to have mirror. either one of those. Uh, today, credit conditions have not normalized to historic. Sort of
0: the usual uh, high of fourteen percent or eight percent.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. We're it, still at
0: threes and fours. It's
1: still tight. Yeah. Right. Um. It's tighter than historically normal. That.
0: that I love that word, historical normal. We've yes. been using that for the past decade. You know.
1: I know. Well, <laughs> but in many ways, it's sort of uh, misplaced because uh, I don't know what normal is. There you go. Normal is not. Normal,
0: normal is my normal.
1: My normal. Right.
0: <laughs> Honestly. Talking with you is always such a pleasure. Oh, You likewise. are just um, an, a wealth of knowledge, completely straight about it, and have spoken to both the Federal Reserve and Element for years, and it has been such a treat to have you on the show today. Thank oh, it's you my so pleasure,
1: Fran. You, you make it easy. <laughs> Sweet. Thank you.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the world of real estate. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date with my latest episodes.